So in my house cleaning, um, trying to find enough space in the house for our, all of my daughter's stuff, <laughs> I also found another book, um, Learning to Fall, The Blessings of an Imperfect Life by Philip Simmons. I read this book years ago, beautiful book, and it was really sweet to, to find it again. And what I'd like to do, I had dog-eared um, a number of pages in the book uh, and went back and reread them and thought, oh, those are worth sitting with again. <clears throat> so what I'd like to do is mostly just share um, um, a bit from these dog-eared pages uh, and then give us a chance to share together um, whatever you're hearing in this. So before I begin, I just want to say a word about the book. If you're not familiar with it, Philip Simmons wrote this book um, when he was um, nine years into a diagnosis with Lou Gehrig's disease, um, um, ALS. He was diagnosed when he was 35, uh, had a um, young children, wife, family at home, uh, and was basically told he had less than five years to live. Um, so nine years later, he, he wrote the book, Learning to Fall, The Blessings of an Imperfect Life. So it's really helpful when you hear everything out of this book, the context that it's written in. It's written in um, the meeting of the incredibly unwanted, difficult, that is part of life um, and what kind of meaning of it all allows something to grow right in the midst of the hard. And he calls it the blessings, the blessings of an imperfect life. So early in the book, uh, he shares a story and it's one that uh, I've, I've told many times. I really, it's an old Zen story, apparently. Um, um, really appreciate this story. So if you've heard it before, I just invite you to hear it fresh. Um, and if you haven't, um, it goes like this. There was a man once in the jungle and he heard a tiger and the tiger was stalking him. And so he knew he had just like a moment to uh, save his life. And he saw in the distance um, what looked like a clearing, an opening. And he thought maybe that was a village that could offer safety. And so he took off running as fast as he could um, towards the opening, now feeling the tiger um, um, hot on him, behind him. He burst through the trees into the opening, found it was not a village, it was the edge of a cliff and the tiger just about to pounce um, behind him. In the nick of time, he saw a vine, uh, heavy vine going over the edge of the cliff, grabbed onto the vine, swung out, um, dropping below the edge of the cliff just as the tiger burst through. Uh, and he had this moment of just pure relief holding onto the vine, hanging over the edge of the cliff as the tiger's looking down on him and him going. <sighs> so he then thought all he had to do was climb down the vine um, to get to safety. 
and then he heard a sound below him at the bottom of the cleft. He looked down and there was another tiger waiting for him at the bottom of the cleft. So then, not sure what else to do, he looked to the right to see, oh, excuse me, I left that one other piece, heard the tiger at the bottom, and then he heard this horrible sound above him, beyond his reach. Um, um, he looked up and there was a mouse gnawing through the vine. So then not sure what else to do. He looked to the right to see if he could find anything to, to help him, nothing there. He looked to the left. When he looked to the left, he saw a strawberry. Big, beautiful, ripe strawberry. And he could just reach it. And he got the strawberry and he tasted it. And it was sweet. And that's the end of the story. Tigers above and below, mouse gnawing through the vine. What does it take to be able to enjoy the sweetness of a strawberry? So I've thought about this story um, many, many times and uh, what has always come up for me is this idea of when there are tigers below and above and a mouse chewing through our vine, can we still be open to what is beautiful? Um, what, what offers a richness and a sweetness? Can we still be open to this that is here? The other piece that I remembered after sharing this story for a number of years, I remembered in a lot of traditions, the strawberry is the symbol of hospitality and kindness. And so, you know, I don't think it's, it's um, random that it was a strawberry, uh, a particular opening of the heart suggested in it. I love what Philip Simmons added to that, um, which is a little, a little different. So from his perspective of ALS and learning to fall, he's actually able to name. It is in the tigers being above and below and the mouse gnawing through the vine that actually is what gives us the understanding to be able to know that the strawberry is sweet. It is when we embrace our challenges in a particular way that we understand the sweetness that's here. Not can we still see beyond the challenges, but the challenges themselves are what make the strawberry so sweet for us. Then another, another um, dog-eared page in here uh, he talks about um, when he was in college, the Dalai Lama came and spoke at his school. Uh, back in those days, he didn't really know who, much about the Dalai Lama other than he was this, the head of Tibet and this figure. He went to hear him. He said that he knows that the Dalai Lama spoke about world peace, but uh, he didn't actually remember much particular of anything the Dalai Lama said. 
But what he remembered absolutely was the Dalai Lama's laugh. Let me read what he says. <laughs> Let me try. I remember nothing of what he said about world peace, but I do remember his laugh. He laughed often and easily, usually at himself. Despite all he had been through, the forced occupation of his country by the Chinese, his own life in exile, he was plainly in love with the world and at peace with himself. He was plainly in love with the world and at peace with himself. That's a radical possibility of being with the challenge. It's pointed to as part of our human potential. It's knowing the sweetness of the, of the strawberry Another part in here, he found a um, copy of the meditations of the emperor Marcus Aurelius Antonius, um, a book that he had heard a lot about but had never actually read. Uh, so he began to read the book and took an immediate liking to this Roman emperor. If you don't know um, anything about Marcus Aurelius, or you haven't heard of this book, he was a um, unusual uh, leader, world leader, emperor of, of um, Rome in the era where it was um, uh, an entire empire. And he did not choose to live a life of wealth and pleasures. He uh, made very, very conscious choices about living a life according to his ethical um, um, beliefs and values. Uh, so his book is, I've heard a lot of people quote from it. I've never read it either, um, but interesting, interesting realizations of where these come from. So a couple of quotes from Marcus Aurelius and then Philip Simon's, um, Simmons' thoughts on it. One thing that Marcus Aurelius talked a lot about was how all things are connected, how good and bad are connected and equally deserve our reverence. All things are changeable and perishable. All things come from God from that universal ruling power. And accordingly, the lion's gaping jaws and that which is poisonous and every harmful thing as a thorn, as mud, are afterproducts of the grand and beautiful. Do not then imagine that they are another kind from that which thou venerate, but form a just opinion of them all. This is a man with ALS saying a form to form a just opinion 
uh, a man who's pulling out this quote as meaningful to him. So Philip Sowen says, our challenge then is to accept all that befalls us as belonging to a natural order, to see that nothing happens to us as foreign. Then another quote, everywhere and at all times, it is in thy power piously to acquiesce in thy present condition and to behave justly to those about thee. That sentence I actually had to sit with a little bit um, um, and take it apart. It didn't, I, it, it didn't um, come very clear at first. Everywhere and, and at all times, it is in thy power piously. We have the capability within us. This is, I, I think of this as the birthright. Doesn't mean we always do it, but we have this within us to meet it piously, meaning meet it from our deepest values, our deepest strengths. And then he says, to, um, it is in thy power piously to acquiesce in thy, in thy present condition. I had to look up the word acquiesce and knew what it meant, but um, really to get it in this context, it's accepting something that's hard without protesting. Accepting something that's hard without protesting. And it comes from a Latin root, which is to rest. So that's a powerful thought. What is a kind of acceptance, a pious meaning to me in alignment with our values, a kind of acceptance in alignment in our values that allows action, which is what he then says with the rest of it. All of this allows us to behave justly to those about thee. So what kind of acquiescence allows a just action to move forward. That's an interesting piece to contemplate. Here's what Philip Simmons comes up with from that quote. Only when we accept our present condition can we set aside fear and discover the love and compassion that are our highest human endowments. And out of our compassion, we deal justly with those about us, not just on our good days, not just when it's convenient, but everywhere and at all times. We are free to act according to that which is highest in us. And in such action, we find peace. Again, another just very powerful understanding. We are always, everywhere and at all times, free to act from our height according to that which is highest in us. And in such action, we find peace. But it is with the acceptance that we must begin.
My last quote. When we stop seeing the world as a problem to be solved, when instead we open our hearts to the mystery of our common suffering, we may find ourselves where we least expected to be, in a world transformed by love. Let's just sit for a moment. Ajahn Chah was famous for saying that there are two kinds of suffering. The suffering that leads to more suffering and the suffering that leads to its end. What do you know about a kind of acceptance that leads to more suffering? and a kind of acceptance that leads to a freedom, peace, and an end of suffering, and an alignment with your values and how you respond to the world. And how you respond to what unfolds in your own life. Thank you.